Yeah, we good? I'm good. Three, two, one, say, speak. Are we not doing an intro? Is that just is that the intro? Alex saying three, two, one, speak. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Eagle versus Shark. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. I'm Austin. And just like Eagle versus Shark, we're awkward. Very concise and sums us up pretty well, I think, there. So well done. <laughs> is, is that the tagline? Does it just say awkward? <laughs> no, it says like... It's not it, the tagline. We're in love and we're awkward. I didn't want I to say it, we're in love. I think the tagline is luckily love is blind. I think you'll find. I think there's several taglines you'll find, Austin. <laughs> the actual tagline like, on the film poster, which I've got. Um, we're on. Uh, uh, I this one's getting Alex. going quick, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's nonsense what Gav's saying about the tagline. It's completely untrue. Gav does cherry pick taglines because if you remember the uh, American Pie episode. I do remember yeah. vividly. <laughs> that, that still haunts me. This, like, it's, it's common for films to have different taglines when they're released in different countries, different posters, different taglines. Just, I don't understand that, why this that, would cause such a debate. Well, well done, guys. That is one minute 15. And we've already got him basically shouting. <laughs> if you've never heard this show before, watch out, because we're about to nunchuck some fun directly into your ears. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, a quiz, some impressions, and a whole lot of banter. So stick around. Now, this week's film on trial is the 2007 romantic comedy Eagle versus Shark. Is it an eagle soaring or is it an eagle soaring? I had to rush write my notes. I'm sorry. Essentially, is it worthy of a place on our questionable hit list or is it worthy of a place on our even more questionable shit list? Hopefully, we're going to find out. Now, just to say, this will be a very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen Eagle vs. Shark yet, check it out. It's on Amazon for about £3.50 or you can just listen to this episode after you've watched the film or just trust our judgments. Alternatively, you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by Joel, which will start around the 40-odd minute mark, I reckon. Who knows? Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Batman and Robin. Uh, Aussie, you judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the shit list. Uh, You've since gone away and you've watched the film. What do you reckon? Did you make the right call or not? Um, you know what? From the way that I normally call a film, I think I put it on the wrong list. Um, it isn't a good film, not in the slightest. It's not in a good. It's not a good film, but it's a fun film. Like if you've got to think about it, it's just it's lighthearted. It's not the Batman we've come to come to know in recent you know recent years or even the years before then. But it's it's a lighthearted film, and I think you can. There's a lot of enjoyment to be had through watching it, just not necessarily because of the film. It's obviously flawed, but I do wish Batman was a bit more like that, like a little less and broody yeah. and a bit more ice skates coming out of shoes and flying around. You know, I think it could do with that <laughs> a bit more. It, it was more along the lines of like, um, it was back along the lines of the turtles, like that sort of feel in terms of, you know, the hilarity, you know, and the, the sort of not taking itself too seriously type of thing. So I kind of wish I'd put it on the hit list, but, <laughs> you know, it, it is in the right place realistically. What do you reckon if Batman in Suicide Squad would have had ice skates, would it have been a better film or not? Almost <laughs> undoubtedly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, thanks, There's not much Marcy. they could have done to that film to have made <laughs> yeah. it worse. So. <laughs> yeah, it got to the point where they just should have just thrown more stuff at it. You know, anything <laughs> being thrown on that would have made it better. Um, now, also, before we go on, uh, it's time for another. Uh, another uh, round of I don't know what we called this last week Gav Eats where I just eat some random stuff uh, <laughs> uh, long, long is that time. what we're doing now you're just eating <laughs> random this is the thing just, eating, just picking things I'm up I'm not and eating random stuff no a long time a pencil <laughs> <laughs> uh, long time fan of the show Stoops sends us a lovely care package of American uh, and Mexican treats uh, which we just never got around to eating so I'm trying to eat them all now before they go off or more off than they already are uh, so the this week, I'm eating something called Warheads, which apparently are extremely sour, hard candy. Uh, I'm going to eat two of them. I'm going to eat watermelon flavor, and I'm going to eat uh, blueberry flavor. So I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, Christ. 
Oh, this is horrible. So we just all sit in silence and <laughs> oh, oh, God. I wish I'd, oh, this wish is I'd... horrible. <laughs> You, oh, you don't have to eat face. them, buddy. Yeah. Oh, Spit them out. Christ. Spit them out, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no one needs to see that or hear that. <laughs> I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, for, for listeners, he looks like he's in a knot of pain and he's not enjoying himself at all. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're still in your mouth I'm pretty sure they take about like half an hour to dissolve yeah, yeah. as well so and this um, could be a long episode there's yeah. a warning on here which says eating multiple pieces within a short time period may cause a temporary irritation to senses of tongues or mouths <laughs> hopefully bowels aren't included <laughs> so uh, I hope you I hope you've got a good set of arguments Joel because I think uh, that might be that might be <laughs> Gav out Gav won't on. be able to speak I'm going to say half a lime out of five for me these are horrible anyway uh, <laughs> right, on to the bulk of the show this week's film as mentioned before is Eagle versus Shark uh, hang on. What was that? What the hell is that? <laughs> it was Let's Dance by David Bowie. Uh, oh, sorry, once again, I didn't, I didn't look up how to play the song before. Did you guess. just pick any old, any old song? No, that's in it. He's singing Let's Dance. Put on your red shoes and do the blues. And he's like, oh, it's dance. But she's like, and then she just keeps on singing Do the Blues anyway. And then at the end, the end credits, <laughs> Let's Dance, please. Honestly, pay attention, guys. Fucking hell. Right. Um, okay. So uh, this week's film wasn't picked out of the hat at random, but was instead this week's, uh, sorry, this month's personal pick. And it's Austin's turn. So Austin, very briefly, why did you pick this film? I just really like it. Um, I um, I really like the humor, the Taika Waititi uh, humor, like from this and from... Um, from what we do in the shadows and, and and like i won't lie i didn't know about this until after i'd watched flight the concords um so i was i was at a point where i wanted to watch anything that was that type of humor so i and i watched this and i really loved it i thought it was one of the one of the best rom-coms i've ever seen right bearing in but, mind you have only seen it. about three rom-coms so that's and not I a have. very extensive list um, this is at least two times as good as love actually which is on the hit list <laughs> oh <laughs> right um okay. negative <laughs> so as ozzy picked the film he will be acting as the defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list ozzy is just like rachel house's nancy he makes his own clothes and he's a bit of a dickhole <laughs> and joining ozzy in defense will be alex alex is just like lauren taylor's lily it's clear that he spent a lot of time playing on computer games, which may have been the reason why he was so terrible at his former job at a burger restaurant. <laughs> Still got the scars to prove it, haven't you, Alex? I literally do. <laughs> and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me and Joel. I'm a bit like Brian Sargent's Jonah. I'm probably not even that sick. I'm just blagging to get attention. <laughs> and Joel is just like Cohen Holloway's character, Mason. He's a computer genius, but he only really uses his computer for porn. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and the prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episodes to hear their genuine thoughts. Which means this week, Dave has the most important role as he'll be playing the judge. And Dave is just like Jermaine Clements' Jared. He's probably already started a vendetta against those who wronged him in high school. <laughs> how, how true is that, Dave? It's a short list. I've got Gav. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> now, Dave must decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Uh, now, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Okay, so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film this week. It's just landed on me. So mm -hmm. how would you like me to read the synopsis out? It's got to be a New Zealand accent. Yeah, that's Kiwi. Yes, I mean, any Kiwi accent? It lands on me, but I mean, it's Austin's pick. So should, should we, I think I think Austin should probably do it instead. 
I was really hoping. I think you what's happened there is we, like we we've said the accent. I'm gonna come across as we all saw you spin that wheel of impressions you've got in your house and it clearly, <laughs> clearly right, okay, landed right. on you. So. All right, okay, okay, okay. But the tale of two socially awkward misfits and the strange ways that they find love through revenge on high school bullies, burgers and video games. Oh, that was, quite really good. That was, was a very, really good Australian accent. Very good. <laughs> good Australian accent. Well done, mate. I bought uh, these back in my mouth as well. Yeah, I, I would not know the difference between Australian and New Zealand, I'm afraid. Forgive me. Oh. So, uh, so that sounded very, very good to me. Um, uh, okay, well, thank you very much, Dave. Uh, without further hesitation, would you like to kick off proceedings? Yep. Certainly can. So I, I know very little about Eagle versus Shark. I haven't seen it. Um, I know roughly what Ozzy mentioned in his uh, introduction there. I knew it was a rom-com. I knew Jermaine Clement starred in it. And I knew Taika Waititi uh, directed it. That is literally about all I know about Eagle versus Shark. So spare me no details. Give me everything you've got. Uh, I want to come to you first, Austin. Tell yeah. me why this is a good film. Well, this is like a, a super awkward love story. It is, um, it's written from the, the point of view of the female protagonist. So it's also uh, written by her. So Lauren uh, Orsi, I think uh, Gav just said that her name's Lauren Taylor now. But um, so Lauren Horsley and, um, uh, and Taika Waititi wrote this um, as part of like a Sundance um, workshop. Um, and honestly, it's just, I think it's just a really great character um, piece from a, from a rom-com. It's just such a nice take on what you'd normally expect it's super like it's super awkward think um uh like napoleon dynamite type awkward and geekiness it's it's along those lines and it's got all of the humor that you you, you know you would come to expect from taika waititi so in fact he even reuses some of the jokes from this in thor ragnarok um that's you know it's that sort of humor it's 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 absolutely brilliant i think it's it's great there's so much to see in it so i've seen it probably four or five times now and each time they spot something else going on in the background that you just didn't spot before. There's so much detail in there for, for what I, I assume is probably quite a low budget um, movie, but it's just so well thought out and it just, it kind of shows you like how good uh, he was already. He'd only ever made short films before this point, brought it to this. And I just think it's such great attention to detail. It's um, it doesn't have a very complicated plot. It's, you know, it's pretty straightforward rom-com. Um, it doesn't have complicated special effects. Um, but it is funny and it's it's like um it's subtle comedy like new zealand british type comedy it's not the in your face you know i think if you're a fan of monty python which i think you are or um, um, um maybe like the young ones i think you're a fan of those less like so but yeah less I like so it. but maybe yeah uh, less not so much a fan of like the dukes of hazard i seem to remember you saying you didn't not like that. really no, no. <laughs> what is this film <laughs> have i watched okay. a completely different film <laughs> so, elements of the young ones with the so what i was getting at is that you're looking more it's more like the monty python sort of there's some visual comedy there's some wordplay type comedy there is it not the films on trial if Ozzy didn't compare this to some yeah there's not like the run-of-the-mill um it's not the sort of you know the run-of-the-mill comedy stuff that you would see in in like an it's American more like jukes of hazards no it's more like <laughs> like the romance you know, between like a man and his car type stuff you know it's that sort of humor um but honestly i just think it's i, I think it's fantastic i just really like it's a new take on a well not maybe not even a new take on a rom-com it's just different to see it this way you know the the, the two characters are not pretty they're not people who, who turn into pretty people at the end you know they're all massively flawed uh two big nerds one thinks she isn't good enough for anyone. The other one thinks he's way too good. And, you know, and throughout the film, the arcs sort of cross over and they end up in the middle where one realizes, actually, I am a loser. And and it's okay. And you don't think, I'm not such a loser. And she, she sort of picks herself up and becomes a, you know, becomes a real person. I, I just think you really care for them. I think it's, it's not a laugh a minute, but there's so much going on that it is genuinely funny it's cringy it's funny and um and i actually think that you care about the characters within you know within the first 10 or 15 minutes you you genuinely care for them she, you know she within the first 10 minutes she loses her job and uh and, and you actually feel free feel sorry for her. you feel that she's being victimized and bullied and i think straight from that point you're, you're on her side and um and i just think any film that can can 
get you onto someone's side in such a short space of time um, and, and keep you keep you throughout. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, I want to go to someone from the prosecution. Show of hands, who wants to go first? Um, Gav. So Austin says, uh, I've got a simple plot, not complicated. Um, you do care about the characters. It's not a laugh a minute, though. And Dukes of Hazard question mark WTF? So, <laughs> so tell me what any of these points you agree with, any you make uh, you can concede on, or do you disagree with everything Austin has said? Most of it, to be honest, apart from the Dukes of Hazard thing, I thought the candy was it was so unlikely. You're spot on there, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I wouldn't even say it was a laugh an hour, to be honest. And I, I can, I'm, I'm being, I'm being genuine. I think there was like one funny moment right at the end. Uh, that I like, I actually really laughed at, and I which, think it was one. What was this? Uh, the, so the the plot basically centres on Jared uh, taking Lily to uh, back to his home. Uh, so they go on a bit of a road trip. So because he's got a vendetta against his high school bully, and the whole thing's building up to this fight between him and the bully. And then the bully finally pitches up, and the bully is now wheelchair bound. He had an accident like a, uh, like a year before, and then uh, so the, you don't know whether the fight's going to go through or not. And then the bully actually apologizes and he says, "Listen, really sorry for what I did. I behaved like a right jerk." And it looks like that's a really poignant moment. And he finally, you know, he accepts this, and he's like, "Oh, you know what the." Fight Fights off, but then he starts actually wailing on the bully with the nunchucks, and I thought that was quite funny. Um, but apart from that, I, I, I'm actually struggling to remember other parts when I laughed. Um, Austin said it was a very simple plot. Yeah, it is very simple, but not in a good way. It's like it's very sort of mundane. Uh, it's it's very sort of there's nothing really of any substance happens to it. It starts off with two people. She's got a crush on him. Will they get together? Within the first 10 minutes, you find out, yes, they do get together. And then from there, it's like, oh, I want to go back to my hometown because I want to fight my bully. And then they go on the road trip. I thought that was going to take a lot longer, but it didn't. That was wrapped up within about 10 minutes again. They arrive at their hometown. Then he breaks up with her. He's like, oh, no, I don't actually want you here at all. Um, And then there is about 40-odd minutes, 50 minutes maybe of just nothingness. And then the fight happens, and then that's it. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, Alex, I see you waving. Surely not nothingness. Surely, surely yeah. something must occur. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's ridiculous. That's just not what happens in the plot. Um, you know, they get together quickly, but that's because this is an unconventional story. You know, so yeah, in a in a Disney version, I suppose you'd be a long time, and then they'd get together at the end. I quite like the way they get together quite quickly. The characters are really quite um, are very interesting. You know, Ozzy before you, you really do connect with. Um, Lily very very quickly in the story you know she's the 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 actor um is it Lauren is she's got to Lauren Taylor now I think it is yeah all, all she hasn't all. appeared in stuff and honestly afterwards I was like what else has she been in she must have been she's absolutely fantastic her eyes she her performance yeah. is amazing I know we'll come back to that later but that's a big part about what gets you you know she's not treated well she's a misfit and people reject her and you can see she's incredibly hurt by this and she's infatuated she's besotted by Jared who it, you know, there is a lot. I mean, you, the, the first laugh I did was out loud in the first five minutes. When, when he, you see he, him. He, oh, man. <laughs> that was such a good moment. Larry screaming. Yeah, like she, she's looking, she's waiting at the clock and you're waiting to see who it is. And like out of like, you know, out of blurriness comes Jared, uh, Jermaine Clement, and he's just got this ridiculous <laughs> haircut and he looks awful. Do you know what I mean? But he's kind of doing a swagger. And she's so besotted that she, she can't believe. She manages to finagle a relationship just by sort of pursuing him, basically. And, you know, the, the film is not as simple as Gav's saying. It's, it, it's, it's really interesting because Jared's not a sympathetic character at all. He's a loser, yeah, but you don't like him and you're not meant to like him. He doesn't treat Lily very well at all at the start of the film. And Lily's so besotted that she accepts it and she, he lies to her all the time and it's quite obvious he's lying. And, so, and the film carries on like that until finally he breaks up with her. She's at home. She's Sorry, she's at his um, place in the country and she can't go home, so she's stuck there for three days. So that's when the switch, as he was saying about the character switching, she's forced to be in this situation. So she wants to get picked up by a brother. She has this very kind of like um, immature relationship with her brother. Very sweet, but very, you know, very immature relationship where she's basically looked after by him. And then um, by being forced to be uh, out 
of a comfort zone, she starts to appreciate herself and she starts to bring value to herself. It's so lovely when you start seeing it happening. So she brings, she starts to see herself and she starts to look at Jared and think, actually, I don't like this about him. You know, I'm, he's not actually who I thought he was. I'm not that besotted by him. And then by the end of the film, she also, she almost accepts him. She starts to see Jared as actually what, what she thinks is at first really strong is not strong at all. It's He's trying to live up to these sort of macho stereotypes that he thinks he has to to get approval from his father. His, his brother's committed suicide earlier on in his life, uh, early on in life, and he's, and he's dealing with that. And at the end, she actually becomes the mature person. So going from besotted to actually accepting him and accepting herself and accepting him, there's so much in it. And yeah, it's not laugh a minute because yeah, you are dealing with things like suicide. So it's not a... It's not a light rom-com, but it is very funny. And there are laugh-out-loud bits that will will definitely get you. Yeah, even just the quotes, like, throughout it. That bit when she decides to leave, and I think that's just a, a really a really great touching moment. Some of the bits are, are literally one line. Is that bit where she says, um, I'm going, I'm getting a bus tomorrow, but that could change. That's a line, you know, that's yeah. a, you know, I'm going home tomorrow unless you want yeah. me to stay. Fucking hilarious that man. But it's not. I don't mean. It's, I don't mean that's a funny line. I mean that's a a very poignant line that shows you know character development. Is that I am chosen to go home, um, yeah. but you know I'm throwing you a lifeline here, and I think it's really clever to do instead of like really spelling it out the way you would in a Disney film. You know the way it would would have been done in in the Love Actually type film. You know the <laughs> it, it's it's just done in a, such a different way, and I think it's I think it's subtle. I think it's it's far more endearing. Okay, thank you very much. So, Joel, I've not heard from yourself yet. So, I'm hearing uh, that it's it's unconventional, but it's subtle. That these are these appear to be well-rounded characters and well-performed, well-rounded characters seem to be well-written. Um, would you agree with any of this? Any concessions on your part? Uh, no, definitely not. I would say that this film, for me, it is quite a strange film, and I agree with something that Ozzy said in that the humor is a little bit like Thor Ragnarok, but it's just completely um you know raw like you can tell it was you know one of his first pieces of work because basically the characters are dumb and the film tries to almost make you feel clever by showing you know how dumb the characters are um there's almost like this kind of acceptance i suppose that you meant to kind of find the characters funny when one of them's just being cruel to the other one and it's not you know, a conventional romantic comedy, as was probably mentioned. But for me, like the the main part of the film is the comedy, and it it's it's like that kind of cringe humor. You know, you, you might compare something like the the Office, whether it's like the you know the the UK Office or the US Office, but um, it, it's cringy because the characters are so dumb. They don't have like any you know redeeming feature. There's always like. Um, you know, in the office, for example, there's always somebody with like a redeeming quality where they where they'll pull it back. Or if that isn't the case, um, for example, you get that more in the in the US office to the UK one. You know, if that isn't the case, you always get um, somebody to counteract that humor. And here, it's just not the case. As I say, the the characters are just dumb, and they seem to uh, kind of have constant jokes um, about kind of how dumb they are, and. Like I say, it's very much just focused on almost wanting the audience to look down on these characters. And for me, it was just a, a really strange, uh, you know, kind of combination. As I say, like Thor Ragnarok, you can you can definitely see the comparisons there because a lot of the uh, kind of jokes in Thor Ragnarok, you know, are Thor being very deadpan or almost, uh, you know, acts of stupidity, like where he throws the ball against the, the window and it just bounces back and hits him in the face. It's like that. But the characters aren't rounded, you know, they're just played, they're just there to be done. There's no kind of overall car- character arc where they, um, you know, have, have this turnaround and they, you know, they have this deep emotional connection. You know, you may think that in terms of what, you know, Alex and, and, and Austin have both been saying. Uh, but for me, they're just they're just dumb. They're just there as almost cannon fodder and you're almost expecting something else to happen, which which never comes. It never comes. Okay. Alex, I saw your hand go up there. Uh, from what Joel's telling me, it seems to look down on its characters um, and it invites the audience to, to laugh at them 
rather than laugh with them, which which could be a fatal move in a comedy. Um, would you agree? Has he got a point there? No, I mean, especially not the character of Lily, who you're with the entire way through the film. You're not laughing at her. She and she's a very, it's a very tender character, and it's, you, you kind of want to protect her all the way through. So you, you're not laughing at her. A lot of the comedy comes from Jermaine, from Jermaine Clement's Jared, who is a ridiculous fool for, for for a lot of it. But you're not laughing at him. What 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 he's doing is he's trying to live up to these macho things. So he's sort of with her. He's tra- he thinks that he's got to be this hyper masculine ridiculous idea in his head right which to me really resonated because that's a lot of what you know growing up i think we all as five men possibly had to deal with a little bit is what are these ideas of masculinity you know it's quite a big topic actually in the world at the moment so it does touch on stuff um and yeah a lot of the comedy is mine from him sort of being ridiculous when he's trying to live up to it so he's you know he's fighting you know he's trying to get into training and stuff like that and he just looks ridiculous but there is a massive character arc, and especially for Jared, for her and for, for him. He's not ridiculous at the end of the film. He's he's learned that, you know, it comes to a head and he's learned actually he doesn't need to be doing, he doesn't need to be trying to chase these stupid macho stereotypes anymore. It doesn't matter if he's a loser, you know, it, he, he matures and he gets past it. So it's... um. It's a fascinating film. It's a really interesting character study. So the, the bit that I couldn't disagree with more is the idea that there are no character arcs and you're laughing at them. Yeah, you're laughing at parts of the characters. It's a comedy. That's what you do in comedies, you know? But that the, the fact that they don't have character arcs, oh, no. I, I think this is one of the best character arcs I've seen in a film for, for, for a long time. It really got me thinking. I found it fascinating. Okay, okay. Uh, Gav, I see you might, you might object. Yeah, I do. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I know that's Alex's opinion, but I just didn't find that at all. I thought the character arcs were quite rushed, uh, especially Jared's character, Jermaine Clement. I, I felt he was really restricted in this. I know Jermaine Clement. I really like Jermaine Clement. He has great depth and range. Just, yeah, I know Jermaine Clement. You know, <laughs> I know him. And, uh, I, that was like, he was yeah, fancy. He, he was fancy the other day, right? <laughs> and he had such depth and range. I was so surprised. It was almost like he was in the When he is you slagging him off behind his back on this podcast, man, he's not going to like it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jezza, but you know, um, it needs to be said. The big JC, uh, he's, you know, he. <laughs> was, there's at least one bigger in history. Henry <laughs> Corbin. Um, but he's got like a really tremendous amount of range, as seen in films like Humor Me uh, uh, or People, Places, and Things. And he's extremely funny, as we've mentioned before, and likable and charismatic in things like Flight to the Concords and what we do in the shadows. But he, he's just a bit bland and unfunny. Alex was mentioning that he was really funny, you know, him being a jerk. But I think most of it, he is just an arsehole. His character is literally an angry, angsty nerd. And that doesn't really change uh, until maybe, you know, what sorry? But he does he does that character great. Like I think that's the point as he, he Yeah, does yeah, but well. there's no variation. There's, there's that. It's one note, it's that until the last no. five minutes. No, no it is. No, until I, no it, it's not. Like as the film it starts you start to understand that the first you are, you're like, well, this guy's just a jerk. But then you understand that his father doesn't give him approval. When you go back to his hometown, you see his father not giving him approval. And you start to then put a puzzle in place and you start saying, oh, right, this is why. You find out about his brother who committed suicide. You find out that he's pathologically been lying all the time. And you start putting all these pieces together and you start getting a very complete picture of a, of, of a very nuanced character. And I yeah, think that's well, the point. Well, is no, that would be good if there was any sort of revelation at the end. But, but there isn't. Yeah, you're talking about, oh, yeah, this tormented background with his father and his brother committing suicide. The, the big revelation is uh, his, his father, uh, jo- uh, Jonah, was he? Um, he spends most of the film mourning his oldest son who died uh, and at the very end of the film realises that he's been pushing Jared away and finally shows him some support by turning up to the fight yeah, but right. that, that is literally I'm going to say three minutes of the film and then that is it there's no there's no conversation afterwards there's no talk no embrace no admittance of any wrongdoing by anybody but you don't need it's that. just like kind of he shows up he cheers jared in the fight and then that is it there's no follow-up and but you don't you need so, the follow-up you do i'm sorry you can't just have like a sort of very throw and like one thing that really annoyed me about it is um so halfway through the film we find out that jared is a father he's got a child 
who has been living with his family all this time. And, you know, it doesn't really get covered at all. You know, we know that it was like a one night stand and that, you know, he essentially has just abandoned the child. I thought there was going to be some real revelation at the end that, you know, he's been a bad father and he's abandoned the kid and he wants the kid back in his life. But no, that doesn't happen either. As soon as the, the fight with the bully is over, that's it. Him and Lily get back together and then they get in the car and they go, oh, that isn't what? it. You know that's I've, not it. I've You've got to ask the, the defence, what's the reason behind the child then? Why is the child in the plot? Why, what is the relevance of this child? Because that does seem like it could have been... Gav, Gav raises a fair point. Why, why make him a father? Is there a reason why the character has become a father? Or I think it's more to show how many mistakes he's made in the past because he's constantly trying to seek approval from, from his dad. So that, that's his, that was one attempt is to be a father, to be a good father and to go through and then he, and then he gets off and leaves. You know, it's just, I think it's all about uh, showing him trying to seek approval, trying to find out what it's like to be a man. He doesn't, you know, he's just, a kid he basically is a man child the entire time up until the last scene essentially yeah. it, it, it's it's another pot piece where you're like yeah jared's not a good person and that's that's when you find out about that that's another part of the plot where you're like wow this guy's like not good at yeah. all you know okay and then and then you start to realize that you know and and at the end there is it's subtle but there is it's not a big it's a subplot as well so you're not expecting like a huge big beautiful scene between the father and the speeches and stuff like that it's not that kind of film so you, so you wouldn't expect it but at the end like the the, the bully says like come on you know we, we you know no he doesn't say what have you got to live for like jared says you've ruined my life to the bully and then he looks over to the side and he sees lily he sees the father who's come up to support him and he sees the child looking at him and that's when you go oh right yeah he's he's recognized in some level here and that's a big moment for the character that he does have things that have gone well and actually needs to recognize that so i think okay. that, yeah i'm, I'm satisfied with that answer gavin joel both your hands were up at various points of that um, um still got something to add or yeah so mine's just a very small point and i'm just going to come back to it again you know this film is meant to be funny and then as you can probably tell it gets very very self-conscious at the end very very quickly and it's just a complete you know, difference in tone, the fact that the film just completely looks down on this one character throughout the whole film and then suddenly decides to, um, you know, kind of change its mind. And because you've looked down on him for all this film, it, it, you know, it's too much of a, of a, you know, sharp change in contrast for me to, to ever, um, you know, kind of rally behind any of these characters. So I think it's a phrase that we've used many times, but the film definitely tries to, you know, have it, have its cake and eat it type of thing. It, it, it's it's too simple, I would say. Okay. Um, one point I did want to ask the defense upon is, is a point that Joel raised earlier. I think I've heard plenty about the characters now. I've got a grasp of my, of my protagonist. Um, but the direction, this is a Taika Waititi film. I, I like him. What I've seen of him, I've not seen everything he's ever made. Obviously, I've not seen this. Uh, Joel says this was an early one. You know, nothing against Taika Waititi, but maybe his craft was not yet honed at this point. Uh, and Ozzy, I want to ask you about this because we had a similar discussion when we did Bottle Rocket. I know you're a big Wes Anderson fan, but mm -hmm. one of the things I pulled him on was that he hadn't honed his craft yet. Would you say the same is true of Waititi in this? I would say, yes, he's not honed his craft yet in this one. But if you were to look at uh, this and then have you seen Boy... No. Uh, of no his. So okay. So that's the next one along of his. But let's say let, let's even look at say um, the hunt for the world of people. Um, there is less of a gap between this and that mm -hmm. as there is between Bottle Rocket and Grand Budapest Hotel. There's a, there's much less of a gap. I think uh, Taika Waititi was far better uh, at this point of first um, feature length film than Wes Anderson was, for example. You know, I think Taika Waititi really got his humour and, and he'd been doing, he'd been working with everyone in this film for probably five, ten years beforehand, uh, before doing this. So they all did stand-up together. They've made short films together. Um, so he's all, he already knew everyone he was working with and and they'd spent a lot of time writing these characters. You know, it was him and uh, and, and putting things together. You know, the, the only difference for him on this it was essentially the length. Um, okay. and the budget so he 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 yeah it's not it's not as honed as, as hunt for the world of people i'd say mm -hmm. it's much less of a gap between this and uh as bottle rocket was by, okay by um 
Alex, I saw your hand go up. You got a, a small point before I go, go to Joel? Yeah, just a bit Aussie touching it. it. It's a very small budget for a, for a director to do. So actually what he's done is very impressive with, with what he's done. It's a it's an enjoyable film. The direction's good. I mean, there's some shots that are, are very interesting in it. Um, again, you know, yeah, you know, it's not fair to say that it doesn't compare to his later films because, you know, obviously he's more experienced in his later films. But you, you'd watch this and say, you can see this is a good director. And obviously people saw this and thought, well, you know, this is a guy to bring on and give him the give him the larger films. So, okay. yeah, it's 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 not by any means bad direction. It's not as good as his later direction, but it's 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 certainly got good promise in it. Okay, and Joel, so you're promising it like well. I know what the hell I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, take away T T shows some good promise. I'm glad you best deliver. I, 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 I'd have picked up on him if I, <laughs> I, I definitely reckon you know 13 years down the line he'll be making yeah. some he'll really be big. good films. He'll yeah. be big. <laughs> and Joel, I saw your hand go up there as well while Ozzy was was speaking. Uh, yeah, so I mean, just to touch on what I said before, really, and to kind of directly disagree with with what Alex has said and Austin has said, um, you know, I do think he hasn't owned his craft yet. And you know, to to reference what I said before, Thor Ragnarok, he, he does use the same kind of type of dry, you know, deadpan humor that Thor is kind of known for. Whereas here, it doesn't work, as I say, because the characters are just completely wonky. Um, you kind of loathe them too much. Um, for you to find the jokes funny, and and that's like a, a balancing act, and he and he hones that over time. You know, he's got Thor Ragnarok. Uh, you know what we do in the shadows, that type of thing. You can see him getting progressively better at that type of humor, um, and I to the point where now I think you know Thor Ragnarok, for example, had lots of laugh out loud moments. Uh, you know, used in the same type of humor, and you can definitely see that progression throughout his films. Um, and yeah, that's pretty. I did have one other point, but you know, I've gone both deep into that point now, and I forgot what the other point was. Well, if if it comes back to you, just just flag me down. Um, I mean, I've heard about direction now. I've heard about I've heard a little bit about the script. Are you are you strengthening your your knuckles there, Gavin? No, no, sorry, sorry. It's in your hand. <laughs> it's a bit of both. It's a bit of both. Just showing off. <laughs> it's, it, just to re-emphasize what what Joel said there. I, mm. I once again disagree with what Austin and Alex said. I don't think that this is him trying to hone his craft. I think this is essentially his first film, and for me, he feels a little bit like a, a, a boy in a you know in a sweet shop trying to taste every sweet that's available to him, or you know just basically trying to play with all of his toys at the same time. There's a lot of different techniques being used here and that I don't really think work all together. It's a little bit like Wes Anderson like for me. It starts off with like a, a monologue to the screen and then there's some claymation in there. There's some stop motion effects. It's it's just a little bit too try hard. That, it, that's three, by the way. That's three things. That's also, also the claymation and the stop motion, that's, only, that's one thing and yeah. that's, a, that's a very short uh, stop motion. No, they, 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 the they do stop thing. motion later on as well with the yeah, sleeping they, bags and yeah, the it's very short. He only does. He only does uh, stop motion. Sorry, I forgot yeah. about the sleeping bag. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a, all I'm saying is that it's a little bit too try hard. It's like he's purposely trying to be quirky, you know. And on top of all of the quirky characters as well, you know, there's also quirky outfits and quirky dialogue, and then the sets, and then on top of that, you've got these filming effects which are a little bit too quirky as well. It's just a bit too much. I'd rather him just strip it back, be a bit more simple, concentrate on the characters, concentrate on the script. You know, if you want to see like a really good example of this, watch his next film, watch Boy, absolutely beautiful. Watch one of his later films, Hunt for the Wilder People, once again, absolutely beautiful, really stripped back, really simply concentrated on the plot and the characters and it paid dividends in there. Whereas this film is just a little bit all over the place. And this was, just to double check, this was his debut film. This was his, his de- directorial debut. His debut feature-length film, yeah. So he'd, he'd done a short okay. before this so that he was like Oscar-nominated for, and this was his first mm-hmm. feature-length film. Yeah. Okay, and who, who produced this? Is this a New Zealand-based film? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was produced in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, right, so I've heard a fair bit about the director now. I've heard plenty about the performances and the characters. I've heard a little bit about the script is there much else to it? I mean, you've told me how what a simple uh, film this is. You know, there's not. Is there much else to it? I, I've heard talk of uh, special effects. Is that something we need to go into? Uh, no, Has anyone got anything to add? That? Is it just what you any. mentioned with the stop motion? Yeah, there's hardly any special effects at all. There's a couple of little camera effects with blurriness. You know, um, mm-hmm. but there's no there's no special effects goes on in this. Um, the soundtrack was done all by the same band, and they're a band that uh, New Zealand band. 
um, part of it written for the film, part of it just uh, something that Taika Waititi had always had in his head that would fit throughout this. And um, it was just aimed to be sort of an 80s theme, you know, the, basically to make you feel as though New Zealand is sort of stuck in the past. That is it set really in the 80s or is it a contemporary film but with a, a retro soundtrack? Yeah, it's I a, think so. I think it's, I think it's contemporary, but... But it, it's more it like feels very. In, it feels very nineties, yeah. and it's kind of set in New Zealand rural. So it's. I think yeah. it's meant to be like it's backward. Feel almost. like okay. it's, yeah. yeah. It's meant to feel like it's just somewhere that's lost in time. Basically, when yeah. did the film come out? By the way, I've not actually heard the release date. Two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've. Sorry, man. No, no, no. Go ahead. I I genuinely think that this is a film. And I can, and I said it last week. I genuinely think it's the film that, that doesn't appeal to absolutely everybody. I think there is a lot to it, is a lot to the characters that you once you you have to basically if you can if you can get on board with them within the first ten minutes, you are going to love this film. I think it's a um, it's a sort of film where you really can see a lot of nuance through the characters and and enjoy the development. But not everyone's going to get on board with it because the, the way the characters are played, you know, it's a very, it is a, it's a very particular type of humor um, that you need to to grasp onto, and and I think a lot of people do, um, but but it isn't for everyone, you know. And I I purposely chose Joel and Gav to be the prosecution because I know that we would not see eye to eye on this, and I think it's been quite interesting to hear their their takes on it. Um, so. So don't don't uh, you know I wouldn't automatically discount what they're saying or what what, what me and Alex are saying, but you mm. know I think there are, there are certain people that this will appeal to and appeal to them greatly, um, and there are other people who this will wind okay. wind up massively. <laughs> and on, on that note, I feel we're gearing up for final statements uh, territory. So I'll take that as Austin's. Unless you've got anything else to add, and Alex, see your hand raised. Yeah, just um, you know, Gav said the word quirky about. 20 times I think when he was talking talking before and I would agree it is, <laughs> it is a quirky it is a quirky film and uh you know and I, I agree with Ozzy sometimes you know quirkiness can put people right off I think if especially if they're looking for a more you know this isn't this isn't the most conventional rom-com and sometimes I think people might stumble in and be like hang on a minute I was I was looking more for a you've got male sort of situation and I've and I've ended up with something slightly different so you might not like it um the quirkiness isn't so much because sometimes when I'm, you know, like like Napoleon Dynamite, for example, that's a quirky film that just annoys me so much. I, I just actually can't watch that film; it's too much because there's nothing. It's just fluff and and, and nothing to it. The, the thing that really you can get behind in this film are the characters and the story, which are really quite deep and really get you. I, I've just been thinking about it since I watched it, and that's not normal for a lot of films. So you've got yeah, you've got a quirky humour, but you've also got a very powerful story, which seems very relevant, to be honest, in these days, 13 years later. Okay. And on the flip side of that argument, uh, Gavin, Joel, Joel, come to you first. Anything to add? Uh, well, I think Austin touched on it, really. It's extremely niche. Um, and, you know, it's it's definitely not for everybody. It, it appeals, I would say, to a certain type of person maybe who likes other pretentious films <laughs> <laughs> we were so close, we were so close. <laughs> i was saving it to the end uh, i'm surprised that hasn't been mentioned so uh, i'll just end with that okay and gavin it is, it is a very very niche film if you're an awkward angsty person who loves the young ones and Dukes of Hazards, then you're <laughs> no, going to no, love this like film. Don't like Dukes of Hazards. By the way, <laughs> no, you don't you like Dukes, Dukes of Hazards. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with Dukes of Hazard with any of you. No, no. <laughs> and angsty and awkward. We all went to school to each other. We all know for a fact we were angsty and awkward at yeah. school. Do you know what I mean? So that's not. <laughs> yeah, but some more than others. Each other. <laughs> I know yeah. what I mean. If you enjoy spending oh, large amounts of cash on fancy suits, you will absolutely love this film. <laughs> For everyone else, probably not. Yeah, if, okay. if, you, if you have the money to buy very expensive suits, but still choose to make and wear your own clothes, then this will appear to you. <laughs> okay, duly noted. <laughs> uh, I think I've heard everything I need to hear. Uh, Shall we kill some time with a quiz? Uh, so my quiz, I was going to do it on, on things Austin liked, but then I realized um, that that was very difficult. 
because he likes such quirky stuff. I know nothing about that. Um, so uh, I've, I've done it on sharks since they're a type of fish, in case you didn't know. Um, so we're going to start off with just three shark questions before we go into films about sharks. So this one, it's a bit of a trick question, so don't jump in like super fast. What is the largest shark? And, and I'm talking boom. like in uh, existence today, not fucking megalodon. Basking uh, shark. Boom. Dave? Carol Baskin shark. <laughs> Carol Baskin shark. A whale shark. A whale shark. Well done, Dave. Son of a bitch. Okay, question two. Um, I'll give it to the nearest person. And this is a contin- kind of a contentious answer because uh, it's different at different points in their life. But how many teeth does a great white shark have? Uh, 237. 237. Gav? Uh, oh, 260. 260, Brucey? 259. 59, Dave. <laughs> You've all gone really close. <laughs> are, they, are they close? Oh, I was going to go way south of that. No, they, they've got... I'm just saying everyone's chosen a really similar Oh, okay. Number. I'll stick with my original idea. 84. Okay, so um, the, the average answer seems to be about 300. Wow. Uh, at any one time, but they kind of as low as 50, apparently. Um, so and then I don't finally, I know how big a shark actually is to fit 300 teeth in its mouth. Yeah. Apparently, they're like multi layered, so they have like layer, yeah. gums, they just have like layers of teeth. I, thought, I was thinking of that scene in Jaws where Roy Scheider's throwing chum over the side of the boat and the shark comes up, and I was like, one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why I can see why Spielberg stopped at around 50. <laughs> okay, so this one is is um very unique, and I actually didn't know the answer to this, but why. Does a hammerhead have a hammer-shaped head? Is it so it can sit at the bottom of the thing and look at the fish going past it or something? You're close. But so it can look up? Uh, no, so it's, it is to do with the bottom of the ocean normally. So they pin like stingrays to the floor with part of their head and then eat them basically oh, right. um, so yeah um, I've never actually thought to look at that before so, so I just their, their heads it. like a fork yeah that's how I see it as omelettes <laughs> just pins them to the plate with just four heads to the plate forehead and just... <laughs> okay so now we're into shark based films uh, and we've got two of these that are similar how many Sharknado films are there five six five six Aussie Four. Uh, three, three, Brucey, four, four. Okay, so Dave was right with six, Can't. and then this one isn't a shark, but how many Lake Placid films are there? And this one genuinely surprised me. Five, twenty-three, Five. twenty-three. I'm gonna say three again. Three. Seven, seven. Okay, it was six. Ooh. So I'll give it to Dave again, but like. I was six, as close like, to maybe half a point each. No, give it to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'm not sure how to say this guy's name, but Jean Colette Serra uh, directed The Shallows, uh, but he's working with Dwayne The Rock Johnson on two films that aren't released yet. Can anyone name them? Um, Black Adam. Black Adam is one, well done. And the other one... Uh, uh, involves Red Jungle Cruise well done Dave was it Jungle Cruise I was going to guess Jungle Cruise but I thought that had already come out no they had to delay it so it's still it's still in post-production they're taking their time with it now because I remember him putting loads of posts out with that guy um, for when they were they were filming loads of loads of scenes of it and he was putting it on his Instagram all the time but yeah Mm. what a man Um, okay so what's a shark film which was based uh, on real life as much as they could led to a change in procedure and um, safety, safety. Bam. Dave it was open first open water open water it was well done oh. I was going to say um, blue sea fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean after that they stopped experimenting on sharks can't make sharks smarter bad idea uh, okay so talking about deep blue sea what holy object does LL Cool J use to stab a shark in the eye in deep Bam. blue sea Dave, he gets his crucifix right yeah, into yeah. the eye socket. Yeah, he gets his crucifix out. You've run away with oh, this one. Man. 
I thought it, I thought it was this Bible. So, <laughs> <laughs> I blew the eye. Just like shoving it down. Um, okay, what shark film starring Halle Berry is rated at zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, Ooh. Um, don't know. It's obviously know. that shit. None of us have seen. Yeah, I've, I can. I I know which one you mean. I just can't think what it's called. Uh, no, no idea. I'm not going to get that. Jaws uh, three. <laughs> it's called Dark Tide. Um, okay, so Bruce from Farms in Nemo. Um, he's obviously a great white shark, but he has two other sharks in his crew. Can anyone name what type of sharks they are? One is a hammerhead, isn't it? It's a hammerhead. Yeah, well done, Ozzy. One is a hammerhead. The other one is pretty tough, to be fair. Is he a Mako shark? Fucking hell, Dave. Are you like a shark expert in a tomato shark? <laughs> Love the way Dave says, like, is it? I don't, I'm not sure. Is it as he's probably he looks looking like at a mako shark. But, you know, when he's, in front of him. when he's animated and voiced by Eric Banner, it's hard to work out what he's actually meant to be. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to read out a tagline for a film here, but I'm going to leave out one particular word. So you've just got to say what the film is. Um, Gav, you are probably best placed to get this one. So it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> when rednecks on a fishing trip kill a great white shark, it comes for revenge and soon turns its sight on the on the sites of the town of Smallport. Is it ghost shark? It is. <laughs> <laughs> well so the, what I left out was it. Its spirit comes back for revenge. Oh, fantastic! Oh, and then Gab's <laughs> ghost shark. <laughs> Gab's just yeah. holding up uh, the DVD. Is yeah. the DVD? I'll tell you right now. Um, Outrageous, fun, bloody, and ghastly. They're not my words, folks. They're the words of the examiner. I don't know. I don't know if that's a newspaper, a website, or a person. It's the uh, the Undertaker's new wrestling name, isn't it? <laughs> uh, open that DVD case up. See if that's actually uh, got Ghost Shark in it or not. Uh, yeah, yeah. We oh, did. No, it does. It, yeah, it does. It does. Have uh, you been through and put them all back for now. Yeah, these guys um, like to change all the DVDs around. So I went, I went to watch Old Boy the other week uh, with my wife, and he ended up nearly watching Dunstan Checks in. <laughs> Bit of a similar, theme. similar, similar <laughs> themes, similar themes. Similar themes. <laughs> right, so that's that. I think uh, even if Dave started at minus five, it'd still probably have won. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Back to at Dave. least one. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, love me some shark trivia. Thank you, Joel. Right, so I've had a bit to think about with this one. Um, it seems like it's, it's a quite a tricky one. I I was getting very few bullshit vibes from any of you. I I think you were all being fairly honest with me. Um, I I don't believe that Joel. Or Gav, maybe they didn't dislike it as much as they're saying, but I don't believe Joel or Gav uh, are going to be raving about this one. Whereas Ozzy and Alex, I do believe the two of you genuinely enjoyed it. Um, quirky was a word that came up a hell of a lot. I don't normally do quirky. I've got to be honest with you. Napoleon Dynamite was mentioned. This film was compared to that. I did not like Napoleon Dynamite. I did not care for it at all, but I was relieved when Alex said that he didn't either. And he still liked this film. So that kind of discounted that one for me. I was impressed by you tell me it's a character piece. You know, the characters do seem to be very well-rounded, um, more well-rounded. I probably would have given them credit for for not only for a romantic comedy, but for a directorial debut. I didn't mind a bit about the, uh, the trying different techniques. That is how you hone your craft. You know, I believe that this was uh, Taika Waititi trying different things and trying different skills. And you know what? He's finally making his first feature film. Now's the time to do it. He might, you never know if you're going to get a second or not. Experiment. I recall uh, Booksmart, which is one of my favorite films of the last couple of years, which is Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. She also experimented with stop motion for one scene in that where the, where the girls take drugs and imagine themselves as like dolls. So I, I don't mind that. I'm actually quite impressed with that. It seems like this is a solid directorial debut from Taika Waititi, but not a, not a mind-blowing one. I don't see this breaking into people's top 10's greatest debuts of any time. Um, and what I'm not so sure about is I don't think this film's for me. I don't think I'd enjoy this. I don't tend to enjoy uh, cringe humor. It's not something I, I, I get on board. Like I said, I didn't like Napoleon Dynamite. Overly quirky does kind of great on me after a while. You, you guys have done this podcast with me a number of times. You know the kind of films I go for. I don't think this is my kind of film. But that said, and, and Ozzy admitted as much, he said this isn't for everyone. But that said, 
when Ozzy and Alex were talking about it, they genuinely seemed to be laughing when they were recounting funny bits. They genuinely seemed to be enjoying it. They genuinely seemed to to have thought about this film after it stopped rolling, after the credits have finished. This film's still on their minds, and that impresses me. And from what I've gathered from the film, from hearing everyone speak, I think there's enough in this film, and it may not be perfect, but I think there's enough in this film to justify a place on the hit list, even if I'm not convinced I'm going to enjoy it myself when I watch it. So for that reason, I'm going to put it on the hit list. Well done, Dave. Uh, nicely summarised again. Okay, yeah. honest opinions. Uh, well, we know what you think, obviously. So, uh, rest of the defence, Alex. Uh, yeah, I. To, it, it, weirdly enough, um, when it was first the, for the first half, I was like, "Oh, what the fuck!" Like to be honest. <laughs> like, oh God, they're just going to be going like, "Ooh," and like not talking and not acting and stuff like this. And then as the film went on, I found myself like less, like far more engaged. And I, I think. Again, a bit like you, Dave, I think I, from Napoleon Dynamite and other films like that, I think I wrote this film off a little bit too quickly because it was, I thought, like, oh, it's just cheap. That quirkiness without any depth, without any point for an hour and a half, I can't be bothered. But there's a lot more to it. And I have been genuinely thinking about it a lot. I think the things about him being, like, struggling with his macho stereotypes he has to live up for, I just found that fascinating. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely on the right list. Uh, Joel? Uh, yeah, it wasn't really for me. Um, I would probably put it like a four out of ten or something for me. I just, you know, it, it wasn't really my type of film. I can I can completely understand why people would like it, um, but I was pretty truthful. I just thought, um, you know, the the characters were there just to laugh at essentially and look down on, um, and then the ending was just kind of almost a way of saying, well, you know, actually. There is a little bit more to them, um, so it'll be interesting to see what you think, actually, because I think you're know, probably the the ham in between the two sides of the bread. <laughs> to me or Gav? Which one you, uh, you, Dave. All right. I'd, it's not the first time I've been compared to ham. <laughs> I uh, I thought it was all right, actually. I I, uh, I did enjoy it, um, but I do think it's the weakest of his films um, that I've seen, anyway. And understandable because it is his first. I, I do. I, I can definitely see what Alex is talking about, and I, I do agree with him. But I do also think that the characters could have been a little bit better written. I was sort of truthful a bit when I was saying that I do think a, a lot of the development for me feels a bit rushed towards the end. I would have liked to have seen more of it throughout. But um, yeah, no, I, I did. I did enjoy it. I wouldn't say it was as low as four out of ten, but maybe six out of ten for me. Um, yeah, okay. Well, high roll lower than our previous film on trial, which was <laughs> Batman and Robin. <laughs> this is surely higher, higher than Batman. Surely. Yeah, I think it, we could have picked anything and it would have been higher than Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin got 11% of Rotten Tomatoes. This got 55%, so pretty much smack down the, the middle. Uh, once again, I put up a poll on Twitter and over the weekend and asked our friends and followers which list Eagle versus Shark should be placed on, and 60% of them said that it should be placed on the shit list. Ooh. So, ooh. Really? Yeah, yeah. I have to say, and you know, sorry to listeners, but I don't seem to agree with most of the listeners. Like every time <laughs> the poll goes on, it's like, yeah, I don't agree with the the audience. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, I mean, usually it's not too far off the Rotten Tomatoes score our polls, but this is like in the other direction. Um, so yeah, uh, very interesting. Uh, now, and um, oh, to, before we go to caption contest, anybody got any trivia about this film, Austin? Um, one of the things that he did to make them feel goofier is he made them wear shoes that were too big for them, so that they couldn't like they didn't walk comfortably. That's that was uh, like the one of the way way to get them into a character was making them wear shoes that were two sizes too big, uh, which I thought was kind of kind of an interesting thing, and it's the sort of thing that only maybe you know like rookie directors yeah. seem yeah, to do. You know, it's yeah. that sort yeah. of weird. And with the cast, and with the cast that would, you can't exactly go up to like you know. Yeah. I think like Robert De Niro and say, "Hey, hey, Bob, I've got these shoes." Like, you know, <laughs> go on, go with it. I, I, just thinking about it though, the, the Lauren Taylor. I honestly, it's like, why did she not decide to go into more films? Like, I thought she was really, really good for considering she seems to have done two things, yeah. and this well, is one of them. Well, what I was reading as well is that so they'd all worked together quite a lot. Um, so Taika Waititi, um, Brett, Jermaine, Lauren. 
Um, they'd done loads of stand-up stuff together and she'd been in films, short films and stuff before, but was just being overlooked, constantly overlooked. And he thought she was a great actor. Taika Waititi think, thinks and thought she was a great actor. Um, so that's why they got on board. So let's do a film together. So so those two wrote this so that she could have a, a leading role because he felt like she deserved it. And um, and yeah, it just seems to have disappeared since then, really. Oh, weird. What do you reckon is... Um... It's better, Rosie. Bottle Rocket or this? I actually think this, to be honest with you. I like them both. I, I do really like them both, but I think this is better than Bottle Rocket. Um, just for different reasons. I think this has got... The characters are better in this. Um, and it's it, there's only two to really care about properly. But um, I think this is funnier than Bottle Rocket. Um, and, and I just think it's really nice to see a film from, you know, almost like a female perspective. She's the main character in this. Mm. And, and you're really seeing her raised up um, toward the end of it. I think it's a nice arc. It's a better arc than the arcs in, in Bottle Rocket. Um, I, I felt actually when I when it came to happen to uh, justify Bottle Rocket on the podcast, I thought maybe it, there were a few times where actually I was clutching at straws to say how good the arc was for um, for a character development. You know, I still like it. I still think it's a great film, but um, with this, I didn't feel like I had to, you know, I genuinely believe that that it's a good, it's a good development of a character. So yeah, this one. I did read a bit of trivia that Jermaine Clement went up to Taika Waititi and said, um, oh, you know, my character's going to fight a bully at the end. Do you think I should bulk up a little bit? Do you think I should do some fight training? And he was like, no, no, I want your character to look pathetic. If anything, I want you to eat more ice cream and don't do any training at all. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was on a, on a diet of ice cream and he did no training at all and he just, to make himself look more pathetic when it came to the training scenes. Um, okay, so, uh, right, what I've done, uh, onto the caption content, Test, uh, I take a screenshot of the film and I place it on Twitter. You put it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, you yeah. ask followers to. Oh, go on. Who <laughs> wants to post the caption? And you, oh, you yeah. give the funniest one a chocolatey shaped treat. Oh, I mean, bearing in mind, <laughs> this is like what a hundred episodes, more than hundred episodes in, and I say the same thing every time, and you still no, you, you, don't, you don't even. <laughs> change it off it's just I mean right, okay. if we talk hey, about effort what I do I take a I take a screenshot of the film and you guys out there have got to try and come up with a funny caption you could win chocolate shaped like a frog no less there you go okay so the caption is um, Lauren Taylor's uh, character Lily in a shark outfit essentially so you guys have just got to pick the funniest caption Starting with oh man, my phone's just crashed at the last flipping second. Oh, what no. an absolute! No, I know. It's a bit of suspense. <laughs> I was on the phone to Apple for an hour and a half yesterday, and um, I, I thought they were going to give me some helpful tips of how I could, you know, perhaps fix my phone. And he was like, "No, nah, it's broken." He said, "Yeah, it's broken." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, how much did it cost to fix?" And he said, "236 pounds." And I was like, "Oh," and he was like, "Get oh, a new phone." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks. Uh, okay, okay, so that was it. much better than a segment, I think. Av, that. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to tell us that story, didn't you? But it's it fine now. But, uh, you got them okay, off? So I've got them here if you want. Oh, no, I've got them. I've got them. Thank I, you very I much. I think Ozzy should read them. To be oh, go on, go on, Ozzy. Yeah, a better go on. job. Okay, so number one. So, <laughs> so it's her in the shark costume. You're seeing yeah, it? we know what it is, Ozzy. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, cheers. Cheers for that, Ozzy. We never actually get to see them. Number one. Thanks, Ozzy. We're going to need a bigger costume. He's doing the voices. <laughs> Number two, for some reason, nobody wants to play pool with me. Number three, this year, the movie Teeth has a new face. And number four, Sharknado ain't got nothing on me. Oh. Well done. I know where I'm going. I think I, 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 I think number two. I thought number two was quite funny. I'll go with that. Yeah. Number two. I, I didn't get get number two for because some reason. Shark. Nobody wants to play pool with me. Oh, uh, good one. That's actually yeah. quite clever. That's cleverer than I gave it credit for. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to go, we need a bigger costume. But yeah, I like that pool with, play pool with me because they're a pool shark is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for that, Ozzy. Yeah. Ozzy, no, no, Ozzy, thanks, man. That was, that was great. It was really good. I, you know, I mean, like, I am all up Have for you sound guys. Effects, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. all up for you guys Gaff, pulling your finger you out and doing of. a bit more. It's when, you know, like in films where somebody's just fed up with their job and they're just like, you know, 
the film really tries to portray how fed up they are and they're just talking like monotone and that you can that just tell like that you. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're falling out of love with the whole thing. That that's what it's been like now for a good six months. Well, I, I apologize to any people who are still like pushing through and listening to this, even though it must be really, really difficult for you. I, well, I'm sorry. Do you know what it feels like for me? It feels like I'm Taika Waititi here and I'm doing everything. I'm fucking writing, directing, starring it. And you guys are just Jermaine Clements, just angsty, nerdy twats. Stars. The stars of a show. That's what we are, Gav. The stars. Right. Right. Okay. So thank you very much for nothing. Uh, we've picked the the next film to be put on trial out of the hat at random. When I say at random, uh, we got all the fish-related films and put them together and we picked the next one out of the hat at random. And it is, coincidentally, after we were just talking about it, Deep Blue Sea. Um, so looking forward to that one. I haven't seen it since the 90s. Uh, we picked the roles out of the hat at random as well. So trying to defend that film, get a place on the hit list, is going to be Joel and Captain Dave. Uh, tr- prosecuting the film is going to be myself and Ozzy, and judging it is going to be Alex. So thank you to everybody who has listened to this episode. Apologies that it's been so fucking arduous for the past six months. Uh, if you did like it, <laughs> if you're one of the only At people least you who listened up to, to it, it <laughs> just uh, like, like, share, and subscribe. And why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on all social media, at Film Trials on Twitter, and Films on Trials on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. So that is it. Eagle vs. Shark is a hit and we will be in your ears next week with Deep Blue Sea. Hopefully, I'll be a bit more cheerful next time, mate. Why not? (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 